Hey everyone, it's Steve here from The Emotion Machine, and this is episode 10 of The Emotion Machine podcast. I'm here with Dory Clark. She's a marketing strategy consultant, a public speaker, contributor to Harvard Business Review, and author of the new book, Entrepreneurial You, Monetize Your Expertise, Create Multiple Income Streams, and Thrive. Dory, it's good to have you on. Hey Steve, thanks for having me. Great to speak with you. Um, so my first question for you is, what first got you interested in business and entrepreneurship? Is it something that you've always wanted to do since you were young? It is not, actually. I um, it I, I never really thought of entrepreneurship as a possibility, but it it was one that kind of evolved or came to me because after having a lot of different jobs, I was I was a newspaper reporter, then I worked in politics as a campaign spokesperson, uh, then I ran a nonprofit for a couple of years. Uh, but after running this this small nonprofit for about a year, I had this this revelation that uh, sort of belatedly hit me, which is that, oh, running a nonprofit is the exact same thing as running a business. And then a minute later, uh, the second wave came to me, which was, wait a minute, I could I could run my own business and I could probably make more money and have less stress. And so once that idea lodged itself in my brain, I started to explore entrepreneurship. And so I, I spent the next year researching, reading a ton of books, taking courses, that kind of thing, so that I would be ready. And uh, I ultimately left my job at the nonprofit and went into business for myself 11 years ago. That's awesome. Um, what were the main parallels you saw between running the nonprofit and jumping into business? Well, you know, ultimately, they they kind of are the same thing in the sense that uh, just because something is is technically not organized for profit doesn't mean that you, uh, you know, could be losing a bunch of money. You have to, you have to nonetheless uh, find a way to, to be in the black. And, uh, and so really the, the biggest parallel for me was first of all, that when, when you were the ED of a small nonprofit, you're really a jack of all trades. Up to that point, I had just had jobs that were very specialized. You know, you're kind of doing one thing, like being a journalist or, you know, doing doing political communications. And that, that was great, and you got pretty good at that thing. But all of the other stuff that it takes to make a business or an organization run, they were sort of mysterious. It's like, oh, I have, you know, I know that there's these other functions, but I have no idea what they do. And of course, if you're running you know, this small nonprofit or a small business, you can't take that attitude. Everything is your purview. And you have to get a sense of how everything works and be willing to just dive in. You you know, well, you don't know how to, you know, code a website. Well, too bad. You need a website. Better figure it out. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so I, I think that was, that was really the driver, uh, was just understanding that that you could you you could learn how to do all the stuff that you needed to learn, and uh, and that I it gave me a, a feeling that I could be successful at such a thing. Mm, yeah, yeah, and I suppose also you know between um, running a business and running a nonprofit, you still have to worry about branding and marketing, and you know whether you're selling a product or selling an I an idea or a policy. Um, you know, there's those parallels too, I suppose. Absolutely, yeah, very very similar. Um, do you think that everyone has some type of entrepreneurial spirit? 
I I am not sure that everybody has an entrepreneurial spirit per se in the sense of um, you know feeling excited or motivated about it or something like that. I certainly think that anyone could be an entrepreneur if they if they wanted to or if they chose to pursue it. I I, uh, I feel like it's a little bit precious for people to say oh it's just you know just certain types of people can do that i mean it's like come on you know it's a job like any other job it's it's a, it's a skill set it's stuff that you can learn but you have to want to learn it and so uh if if that idea just does not appeal to people fine no problem you know there's lots of other things that you can do but i i think that if someone is interested and if they're motivated then certainly anyone can do it mm -hmm. yeah yeah um, Entrepreneurial You is, I think, your third book right now. Um, when did you first get started writing it, or was there a spark that made you want to write this book? Yeah, I started writing and researching the book. I guess I, I sold the proposal for it, which is kind of the, the first step in the non in the nonfiction publishing process, in late 2015, and. Uh, that was about November of 2015, and so it takes about two years for for a book, uh, oftentimes to be released. Uh, so signed the contract in October, or sorry, November 2015. It was released in October of 2017. Uh, but I started doing the research for it, where I did 50 interviews of prominent entrepreneurs, and uh, I, I tried to do them kind of as back-to-back -back as possible, so I could just immerse myself in that project uh, for about two months, January and February of 2016. And then I spent the next couple of months sort of assimilating the information, putting it together, making some order out of it. And then I spent the next two to three months writing a first draft of it. And that was that was really the, uh, the way that it unfolded. And... Uh, you know, there there were a couple of other subsequent drafts afterwards, but but getting the first one out, getting it onto the page, is the hardest part for sure. Mm -hmm. What um, what's the type of person, if there is a type, that would benefit most from from reading this book? Well, I think I think the obvious uh, choices would be someone who is an aspiring entrepreneur who wants to learn more about it, or someone who's already an entrepreneur. Uh, but they are making money in one way, you know, let's say, or, or maybe a couple of ways, but they, they know that they want to diversify their income stream. And in particular, they want to get more leverage in their business. They want to bring in more passive income. The book is really good for, uh, for folks like that. The kind of hidden audience, I would say, uh, is people who work work inside corporations, they might see the title of a book like Entrepreneurial You and think, oh, well, you know, that's not really for me because I have this job and I like my job, etc. But the, uh, the perhaps controversial assertion that I will make, but it's one that I believe strongly, is that even if you do work inside a corporation, even if you like that job, you know, want to keep it forever, um, I still believe strongly that it is a very useful thing for you to cultivate multiple income streams and to have some kind of an entrepreneurial side venture. Uh, I think that in today's uncertain economy, that is the best way to create a sort of career insurance for yourself. Uh, certainly, it's a way to bring in some extra money. It's also a way to do focused professional development on your own. And so for those reasons, I would suggest that uh, even if they might not think that it's for them, uh, for for people who are, who are employees, uh, 
but you know are are smart and ambitious. I, I think that uh, I think that this is uh, something that they maybe should explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know, nowadays, um, you know, especially with the internet, you know, it's kind of a cliche, but you know, everyone has you know these different all these new opportunities to start their own business or or start their own side project in some way, even if it's just something simple like like setting up an eBay account and selling junk or designing shirts and selling them on Etsy or monetizing your own YouTube channel. Um, is there an opportunity for everyone to start their own side income in some way? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, that sometimes, you know, when people hear the word entrepreneur, they think that it has to be, you know, some some tech startup or, oh, I have to get venture funding or I need to make an app or, you know, something that, uh, you know, certainly you could do, but it is, uh, that's, it's way more complicated than, than most people want or need. Um, you can start a side business with no infrastructure, you know, with no startup costs. And that's actually what I advise people if you want to, uh, to, to just get started. I think the best way to do it is to do something that is quick and fast and easy and allows you to just test the premises. And so, you know, for instance, something like coaching or consulting, you don't need anything, in, you know, in the beginning, not even a website to be able to get some clients. All you need is, you know, for somebody to come to you for something, which, you know, for almost everyone, they actually have something like this, whether it's related to work or not. You know, maybe you're really uh, you're really good at whatever dog training, and yet another of your friends comes to you and said, "Oh, I'm having you know all these problems with my dog. Blah blah blah. Will you come? You know, help me out." And you can say, you know, sure, you know, I'm happy to, to come uh, to come take a look and, and, you know, we can do a session as a friend. But if you'd like to have ongoing training for your dog, I am actually starting a business for that. And so I have a six-week uh, six coaching program and it costs X amount of money if you're interested. That's all you need to do. And, you know, odds are after a while, someone is going to say yes, and then you are in business. You you have you have your side income stream. It's, it's, we're not saying that right away. You know, from minute one, it's going to be this six-figure income stream. Um, you can certainly work to build it up over time to something like that. But the most important thing is getting started, even if it's in a small way. Yeah, yeah, and and that's a really appealing idea for a lot of people. You know, just being able to have you know some sort of side income, just a little bit of extra cash each month. Um, and you know, a lot of people, you know, want to pursue something like that in some way. But um, you know, how do you? What do you say to people who they they want to get into some sort of side project like this, but they don't really know what their expertise is or what they're good at? Yeah. So for people who are unsure, um, you know, I, I think. I think that there's there's definitely some ways that you can that you can find out. And to the point that I raised earlier, oftentimes it's right under our noses. Um, there's a guy that I profiled in Entrepreneurial U named Bozy Dar, and he actually for his first entrepreneurial side venture, because you know he's a guy with a full time job, for his first entrepreneurial side venture, he did. Um, you know, kind of the kind of the classic thing, right? He thought he had to go big, and and so he created an app. He like paid these developers to create an app, and it you know it it, it just never worked. You know, he 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 thought he had this brilliant idea, and it turned out that the marketplace just wasn't really that interested in it because he had never tested it. He didn't know how to do it. Um, but later, after he had 
given up and and lost you know quite a bit of money in the process you know that that he sort of thought of as an entrepreneurial failure but later as he was reflecting on that experience he came to realize that actually people were consistently coming to him and asking something else um he was doing really well at work. He kept getting promoted and, and you know, having all these, these sort of raises and promotions at his job. And people were coming to him and saying, hey, what are you doing? You know, what's your secret? Can I take you out to lunch? Can I buy you coffee? You know, can we talk about this? And he realized, oh, you know, this this is something that clearly people are interested in. Clearly, the people around me think that I have some expertise in it. Maybe instead of inventing something that I actually don't really know anything about and trying to create a business around it, maybe I should start with where I already have some expertise. And so what he did instead was he started an online course about how to get promoted faster at work. And that, unlike his previous project, was a hit right out of the gate. It's first full year that he offered it, he brought in an extra $106,000 in addition to his day job salary. Um, so. Really, it, it starts with just looking at things that within your uh, sort of local circle of friends that you are known as having expertise in. That's that's often a really good clue for you. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you know one good piece of advice is to pay attention to what people compliment you on. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly right. What they compliment you on, and uh, what you know, what questions they ask you, what you know, what what uh, what favors uh, they're looking for from you. I mean, obviously not like, hey, will you move my furniture? But oftentimes there's uh, there's favors that people ask that are sort of unique to you. You could say like, oh, hey, you know, you're you're so good at this. Could you could you read my read over my resume? Or, you know, hey, you know, I, I'm having this problem with my boyfriend, you know, could I talk to you about it? You know, I mean, those are those are the, the signs where, you know, oh, you know, my friends seem to think that I am, re you know, really good at resumes and applying for jobs. Or my friends seem to think I'm really good at uh, relationships and relationship coaching. That's, uh, that's valuable intelligence that you can build on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um you know, you know, like I was saying before about how, you know, everyone sort of, you know, realizes that the potential of, you know, online and internet and social media to build up these side projects. And I'm sure you kind of find, like I do, that there's also just a lot of noise on the internet nowadays, especially with, um, um, you know, just everyone wants to, you know, be a business owner to some degree or, or get famous on YouTube or Twitter or, or whatever. And I know you focus a lot on marketing. What are ways that people can sort of cut through the competition and get noticed for their expertise and get noticed for their their product or whatever they're offering? Yeah. So that that is that is the fundamental question, right? How do you, how do you get noticed in a really crowded marketplace? So there's a, a few things to keep in mind. Um, the first thing is getting clear on who you want to be noticed by, right? That's always that's always uh, a useful initial exercise because if you can figure out who your ideal client is that you want to see your material that actually begins to suggest to you the ways that you can do it so you know for instance if it's if it's a bunch of business people then maybe going deep on LinkedIn maybe blogging on LinkedIn or having a video strategy on LinkedIn would be a viable strategy 
uh, you're going to have a different strategy if you're looking to connect with a really niche group, like you know, just people who are professional speakers or realtors or something like that. Um, if you have a group like teenagers, uh, then you know maybe you want to be on Snapchat or Instagram or, or what have you. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one starting place. The next, which is not sexy at all, uh, but uh, but it. You know, the good news is um, anyone can do it, is consistency. Um, the biggest problem, the absolute biggest problem people have, of course, right, it's their human, uh, is that they get impatient for results. And so they're like, wait a minute, I've been doing this for two months. I haven't seen any results. Why? Well, you know, the reason is because you need to be doing it for two years, not for two months. Um, it is it is hard work. It is uh, in those early stages, not really rewarding at all because it feels like you're doing it for no reason because you you just don't get a lot of responses. Um, but you have to have the faith to get through that trough in order to start sh- seeing results. Um, I actually advise people that if they are going to be embarking upon a content creation strategy, they need to be prepared to do it for between two and three years before they see basically any results and about five years before they start to see major results. Yeah, yeah, that's really good advice. I think yeah, when people start up these you know, side projects or just um, you know, some sort of entrepreneurial endeavor, they, they need to be able to commit to the long haul and, and be willing to basically work for free for a very long period of time before they start getting any sort of uh, recognition or, or money. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, certainly, of course, if you're starting, let, let's say, a consulting business or something like that, you know, you can, and, and in fact, you should start earning money right away. Um, you know, you can you can get clients uh, without having a major, you know, social media presence or something like that. You get them through your network. You get them through uh, direct introductions and and kind of hand to hand combat with the sales. But what I'm talking about is getting inbound incoming inquiries that are a result of your content creation from people you don't already know. That is something that takes quite a while to develop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what would you say are some other um, common mistakes that people make when they first get interested in doing something like this? Well, I think I think one is um, a failure to align their content with their target audience. Um, now it's kind of basic once you say it this way or once you lay it out, but you would be surprised at the number of people that are really big into content creation and and they'll come to you and they'll say, Hey, you know, I, I've been, you know, blogging or I'm doing this podcast or whatever. And, you know, I've been working so hard at it. I've, I've been doing it X number of months, but you know, I just feel like I'm not getting any leads from my clients or whatever. And so you look into it and it turns out that, you know, let's say the clients that they want to be reaching are HR directors, but the but what they're blogging about is something that is just completely unrelated. Maybe they're blogging about something that the IT director is interested in. And, you know, like, of course, of course, you're not getting inquiries because your your content is aimed at the wrong audience. What you need to do is make sure that the content that you're producing lines up with the kind of work that you want to get. Um, It's basic, but it's extremely important. Um, What you ideally want to have happen is to have your target client 
read your piece and say, oh my gosh, this is exactly what we've been wanting. And as a result, that they would call you. Um, if, your, if your piece, for whatever reason, is not going to be read by or is not going to appeal to or be relevant to your target audience, then you might want to do it for other reasons, but it's not going to be very helpful to you in terms of business development. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 that's good advice. Um, let me ask you, you know, sort of related to, I guess, some of my own personal experience, but, you know, I always wanted to sort of work for myself and, you know, not have to have a boss or anything like that and be able to have control over my time. So I always wanted to sort of be like a, you know, a solopreneur or something like that. Um, but how how important is it to, to network with people and build relationships whether it's, you know, not even just your clients, but also with, um, you know, other people who are in your niche or um, people that you could possibly partner up with, you know, how important is, is networking, especially in early stages of entrepreneurship? Yeah, no, networking is, is definitely really important. Um, in fact, I created a framework around how to become a recognized expert. I actually have an online course about it, which is also called Recognized Expert. And the three key components of that are content creation, which we were just discussing, social proof, which is basically, you know, what is your credibility, your perceived level of credibility in the marketplace. And the third is your network, because you need to have a network of people who can not just sharpen and improve your ideas, but also be the people who can be your ambassadors, your your early evangelists, as it were. So, uh, so having that in place is really important. Uh, and in fact, I actually have a, a free resource if folks are interested, which is a scored self self evaluation test that people can take to determine where out of those three areas they're strongest and where they're weakest, and therefore, you know, what uh, what actions they should take in order to shore themselves up to better become a recognized expert. And if anyone's interested in that, they can get it at doryclark.com. It's D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K.com slash toolkit. Awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely include the link to that in the show notes. Um, you mentioned social proof before. What are some ways people can, can start building social proof? Well, there's there's a lot of them actually. So that's that's the good news. It's not just like there's only one thing you can do. Um, things that would give you social proof, and again, these are these are just essentially reasons why people should listen to you, right? That's that's you know kind of how it plays out. Um, some examples would be, for instance, that you write for prominent publications that people have heard of. Uh, maybe it's that you are a leader in your local professional association. That's another good credibility tool. It might be that you work or used to work for a big name company that people have heard of and respect. Maybe it's that uh, you had consulting clients or people who brought you in to speak that are pretty well known. And so people recognize those names. Um, maybe it is that you you know, have an educational credential. Um, you know, that could be something like a, an official kind of industry designation, like being a, you know, a certified financial planner or, you know, something like that. Or it could be, you know, maybe you have like an IB, Ivy League MBA. That can be forms of social proof. Um, so there, there's, there's a, uh, maybe it's having written a book. So there's a wide variety of options. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the big keys, I guess, to social proof is being able to to link yourself and your work to 
um, people or institutions that are already well recognized and respected. Yeah, it's really, uh, it, you know, it's not the only way to do it, but but it's a very effective way of piggybacking off of already well-known brands. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, what's your take on, you know, how important is social media and, you know, is it, should every business have a Twitter account? Is that something that businesses should, should do or some type of uh, social media? You know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that it's mandatory. Um, however, um, I you know I, I want to I want to put some parameters around it because um, it's it's easy for people to to misconstrue one way or another. Um, so number one, I I do think that it is essential for any company to be mindful of its online presence. And so if people are looking for you online and they can't find you i mean that's that's a big problem that's that's how people do most of their research these days so does literally everyone have to be on twitter or does everybody have to be on instagram or something like that you know no um you're there's not one social channel that every single person has to be on although i would advise uh, every every you know individual professional to be on linkedin that that is becoming kind of an industry standard but but in general if there's you know it's not like you have to be on every single social platform. If you feel like a certain one isn't really appropriate for your audience or it just doesn't work as well for you, don't do it. It's fine. In the aggregate, is it important for you to be involved in some way on social media? And is it important for you to you know, have a robust social presence? Yes, it is. But it doesn't necessarily have to be one particular thing. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Um, um, do you is there do you have a preference for whether a business goes um, like asks for funding or donations to to survive or whether they choose to sell a product or service is is one of those things better than the other or does it depend on sort of what you're doing? Well, you know, I I think that certainly if you're you know a nonprofit, let's say um, that that's predicated on on donations although more and more nonprofits are getting into fee for service activities but you know no one is surprised when nonprofits ask for donations if you are a business and you're asking for a donation um, something has gone horribly wrong and uh, and maybe it has gone horribly wrong I mean if you you know whatever if there was some you know terrible I don't know flood and you're uh, in your area they didn't offer flood insurance and you need you know you need some help from your loyal customers you might as well ask there's you know there's nothing to lose since otherwise you're not gonna have a business but um, but if you if you don't have a really good excuse, I have to say it looks pretty lame for a business to be like, "Hey, just 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 give us money." <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, you know, and and of course that's that's different even than, you know, like a like a Kickstarter, a crowdfunding campaign. That is not really a donation per se. You are getting something. It might uh, it varies what it is, and you know, a lot of them have like a one dollar donation option or something like that. But you know, if you're a musician, you're giving people your CD or you're giving them your T-shirt. You know, it's a pre-order campaign. That's uh, it's different than just um, you know putting the baking cup out. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking of like like YouTube creators. You know, maybe they, you know, they or like podcast creators where they're always creating new content about you know, some, some subjects, psychology, politics, or whatever, 
And, you know, I follow a lot of creators that they mostly fund themselves through donations. They don't have a product, but they do have, you know, a consistent YouTube channel or something where they're always pushing out new content and, um, and you know, they ask for donations in return. And, and most of them, you know, make a living off of that, you know, whether it's Patreon or, or you know, whatever. Um, are those people not entrepreneurs or is that, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Ah, gotcha. Thanks for thanks for clarifying. Um, yeah, I think I think that Patreon is a really interesting model, and uh, and you know certainly one that I like a lot. I, I I do think it's you know that's perfectly legitimate as far as I'm concerned because you know the the real the real essence of business, right? The essence of capitalism is that you are making an exchange of some kind, and so with a system like Patreon you uh, you know the creator is saying hey please you know if you like what i am doing uh you know let's say you're a podcaster um you know please pledge x amount per month or please pledge uh you know whatever a dollar for every new episode you know wh wh however they're they're structuring it and so it's it's really kind of a um I mean, it, it is a donation technically in the sense that people could, if they wanted to, be free riders and simply not do that. Um, but there, there, there is a real exchange of value implied in that, 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 you know, the people who are the super fans understand that, look, you know, the person does need to survive. And so if we really, if we like and admire what they're doing, then we, then we ought to uh, chip in for this. And in fact, in some levels of Patreon, they... Um, it, it, it operates much like uh, crowd, you know, other forms of crowdfunding where there's personalized bonuses that people perhaps couldn't get otherwise. Um, you know, at, whether it's access to uh, you know personal contact in some way with the creator, etc., uh, or you know, special bonuses. So I, I think I think that's a, a clever and cool model that uh, that I admire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me ask you. Um, are there any sort of new trends that are happening right now in, in the business or entrepreneurial world that that you have your eye on? Well, you know, the in terms of in terms of trends um, in the entrepreneurial world, I I would say that um, certainly ev everybody, not just in the entrepreneurial world, but I think in our culture, is like suddenly obsessed with uh, with robots and AI because they're they're kind of just getting to the point now where they are uh, to, to use the language of uh, Peter Diamandis and Stephen Kotler in uh, bold and abundance. They talk about the, uh, the deception phase of exponential technology. And that is where even though something is growing exponentially when it starts out of course it's really tiny it's like so tiny it's it's invisible to the naked eye and so you know ai for instance has been uh, just operating with a huge growth trajectory for years but it's you know it started out no nobody could tell the difference because it was it was so primitive it was so not helpful it was so like oh my god this will never be useful but it continues on its exponential path and we're just now hitting the point where people are like whoa wait a minute this is actually really good this is actually really like it could take somebody's job <laughs> and uh and 
you know, it, it, all of a sudden everyone is uh, is coming to realize that this exponential growth is uh, is real and it's hitting us. And now that it's like really pretty good, it, you know, it's not it's not you know amazing yet, but it's pretty good. And if if it keeps up at this torrential pace. It's going to get to amazing really fast, and that has huge uh, disruptive implications. So I think everybody is is trying to to figure out what to do with that. Like, how fast is that coming, and how do you how do you war game that? How do you uh, protect the downside and and maybe get some upside out of it? Mm-hmm. So you think that there's a legitimate concern of of automation taking people's jobs or or, or making some careers obsolete? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's uh, there's many, many uh, studies that have been released by the McKinsey Global Institute and others uh, speculating on, you know, that people differ on the timing, they differ on the extent. Is it going to be by 2030? Is it going to be by 2050? But, you know, the numbers are anywhere from like a third to a half of jobs are going to be eradicated. And, uh, you know, of course, new jobs are going to arise, but nobody knows what those are yet. So there's a huge amount of, uh, of uncertainty as a result of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means that, that whole new industries are going to emerge. Um, so there's a huge amount of opportunity there, but it is, uh, it is kind of a stressful time in some ways as a result of that. Yeah, yeah, that seems like a, a really good incentive to actually, you know, start some sort of entrepreneurial project and, and start these side incomes so that, you know, you're not caught off guard, you know, one day when when your job isn't as important as it used to be and and um, you know, being able to build up those um those safety nets for you. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And I mean the part of what is so new about this is that of course, you know, people have been aware and this has been a trend for a long time that if you have low skilled jobs you know some sort of repetitive whatever factory assembly line kind of thing you know robots already have taken over a lot of those they're going to take over even more um but this is this is finally coming for the professional class you know attorneys pilots um people people who are highly skilled radiologists they're not. They're not going to be needed very, very soon because machines can do their work better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you think this puts pressure on people to to develop more creative skills or social skills that maybe aren't as easily replaced? I think. I think it definitely does. And you know, at the highest levels, those of course have been valued. Um, for a long time, many many people erroneously believe that it's about technical skills. That's the key. But once you rise above a certain level in an organization, it's not about technical skills at all. It's what separates you is your so-called soft skills, and you know that's how a battalion of executive coaches have uh, you know come to power and influence and prominence is because the people at the highest rungs of an organization realize that, that is your comp- point of competitive differentiation is your uh, is your ability to to do the the this the gentler elements of managing other people that, that that's really where the hard work is yeah yeah that's a really good point um, is, is there anything that um, 
um, you would want people to know about Entrepreneurial U that maybe we haven't really been able to cover? Well, for for Entrepreneurial U, I would um, I would just say that you know what I find kind of liberating about about entrepreneurship is that there's there's not one path there's not one prescribed path you can make it whatever you want and so i'm a big believer in having multiple income streams because it gives you more more options it gives you more security you know there's there's kind of more more legs on the table as it were so that yeah. if something changes or gets disrupted you have you have other possibilities uh to to lean on but um what I really tried to do in the book was present for people very in-depth looks at different business models and how they work and uh, and real specifics about how to get going on certain things so that ideally, you know, when somebody's reading through, they're, they're not going to, you know, say overnight, oh, let's have 10 different income streams. I mean, that's not useful. That's not practical. But what I'm looking to do is kind of introduce people to the range of the options that are out there so that they can make a good choice about something that seems really interesting and really doable to them and get get started with it because that's that's where the power comes is getting started and getting momentum behind you yeah yeah and i've also found that you know having multiple projects it helps to just keep everything more fresh and interesting where you're especially if you're doing different like very different types of projects it helps to keep things interesting and keep you engaged in, in your dip in your work that's exactly right yes um so we're approaching the end here um i really appreciate you coming on and talking to me um let let listeners know where can they follow you where can they find more of your work yeah, thank you, Steve. So for folks that are interested in diving in a little bit further, uh, my latest book is called Entrepreneurial You. And uh, if, uh, if folks would, would like to access more than 500 free articles that I've written for places like Forbes and the Harvard Business Review, you can get them for free off of my website, which is doryclark, D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K.com. Awesome. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be in including the links in the show notes, so it should be easy for people to find it. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for sharing your advice. Uh, we got to tackle a lot of little things. Uh, I think there's a lot of you know good takeaway advice that we got here. So um, I really appreciate you coming on and speaking with me. Thanks so much. Great talking with you. Mm, have a good one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Emotion Machine podcast. If you enjoy these episodes and you would like to support my work, there are two main ways you can donate. If you want to do a one-time donation, you can use PayPal, and you can find me there at theemotionmachine.com forward slash PayPal. Or if you'd like to do a reoccurring donation, you can check me out on Patreon at theemotionmachine.com forward slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Any support from you guys is greatly appreciated. And please look forward to next episode.